eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. We've all likely experienced those moments in life in which our breath is literally taken away. At the same time that we feel existentially small, our spirits seem to greatly expand. It's a singular feeling that we call wonder. But why do we feel wonder? What purpose does it serve in our survival and flourishing as humans? Why does it get harder and harder to feel wonder as you get older? And is it possible to recapture that lost wonder, to manufacture it in some way? My guest today explores these questions in his book, Wonder from Emotion to a Spirituality. His name is Robert Fuller, and he's a professor of religious studies at Bradley University. Today on the show, Robert and I discuss the psychology and biology of wonder, why researchers haven't really studied wonder, and the benefits of experiencing it in our lives on a regular basis. We also explore how wonder shaped the lives and careers of men like John Muir and William James, the psychologist, how religion ritualizes wonder, and whether we can take action to experience more wonder in our lives. This podcast is going to leave you wondering a lot about wonder, I guarantee it. After the show's over, check out the show notes at aom.is slash wonder. Bob Fuller, welcome to the show. Well, it's it's good to be here and talking about uh, a subject that's been captivating my interest for several years now. Right. It's, it's, it's the topic of wonder. Uh, you've written several books about it, about spirituality uh, and sort of the inter- interconnection between culture, physiology, psychology of, of wonder mm-hmm. and spirituality. Uh, the book that I read was Wonder from Emotion to Spirituality. Um, right. And- go ahead. No, um, you know, I've been a student of religion for, I've been a professor uh, here for 39 years. I've been thinking about it for even longer than that. And your mind takes different turns and looks at different angles. But I look at religions from around the world. They've held different beliefs, doctrines, rituals. But it strikes me that the one thing common is that all of their rituals, all of their doctrines evoke wonder in individuals. And I began to realize that this was one commonality of religions throughout the world. Hey, so let's start with the most obvious question. Like, what is wonder? Wonder is a feeling state. 
Um, it's a feeling state triggered in our broad class of emotion. And emotion, by the way, is an aspect of human thought, feeling, behavior. It's probably the least studied by psychologists and, and physiologists. But wonder is clearly an emotion, and it's triggered in our system, um, like most emotions, as a startle response. Any of us can imagine walking down a path and alone <laughs> and hearing rustling in the bushes, and we're instantly motivated and, and even alarmed by this start, startle response to, quote, wonder what is it that caused that? Does it create opportunity for me? Does it create threat for me? And it mobilizes thought, behavior, communication. So wonder is a class of all of our emotions, but probably the least studied of, of, of them. Why is it least studied? Because you, you talk about the book, like most of the em- other emotions like anger or happiness, they've been written about in great detail since, you know, for centuries. But why has wonder gotten the short shrift? Yeah, the study of emotion lags behind all other areas of psychology, and those emotions that have been studied are the ones that are easiest to trigger in a laboratory setting. And I know this from my own research. It's very easy to trigger anger, um, and especially, by the way, guilt is easy to trigger in an emotion uh, in a laboratory setting. Wonder is very difficult. It requires um, something to, that will catch someone very unexpectedly and surpass their ability to interpret or understand that moment. So it really lags behind, mostly because, one, it is difficult to um, reliably induce in a laboratory setting, and two, it doesn't fit into our normal model of why we have emotions. Remember everything in natural selection and our long evolutionary history was shaped to create survival advantage. And it's sometimes very difficult to understand how it is that wonder, compared to, for example, anger, fear, guilt, um, gives humanity survival advantage. So here, too, it conceptually lags behind um, interest in other emotions. Well, before we get into the the you know the sort of the um, theories about the adaptive or the advantage wonder gives humans, let's let's talk about more about wonder. Like, so you said, it's uh, wonder is a moment we feel like when we're kind of caught off guard. Yep, it's we want to explore, but what I mean. Wh- and you say it's, I think in the book you talk, wonder uh, involves a cluster of different emotions. Uh, it's not just, it's not just a single emotion. If we could, let's start with the Oxford English Dictionary definition of wonder. It says it's astonishment mingled with perplexity and bewildered curiosity. And I think that's a good definition. It's first of all, astonishment, but it's got this sense of curiosity, perplexity, being bewildered. Um, so it's an odd uh, emotion state. Can I differentiate it from something? We often use awe as a similar emotion, awe and wonder. But I'm sure all of us have said, I was in awe of that person. And that is the evolutionary origin of awe, is I think when there was an alpha male, the the largest um, gorilla in a horde of gorillas, for example, would induce um, awe in those smaller, not as strong, etc., and therefore follow the lead of that alpha male in the group. Awe has that. It, there's a sense of belittling in, in, by being confronted with something so grand, strong, uh, that it's intimidating. Wonder does not have that sense of intimidation or subordination, but it also is being confronted with something much larger. So I've come to think of wonder as whenever a re- an emotional response, when we're confronted with something that's so vivid, so large, so beautiful, so true to us, that we're, if you will, astonished. We're perplexed. 
we're bewildered as to what is the source of this beauty? What is the source of this vitality? What is the source of this truth? So there's bewilderment, astonishment, but without that kind of um, subordination or, or humbled feeling in that sense that awe would have. And you talk about too, it is in a way passive. Um, there's like, there's two modes, like there's active and there's passive and yeah. wonder causes you to be more passive. Right. Another way that wonder doesn't fit into the typical family of emotions, although I might say that joy would be um, another emotion like this. But when you're under the um, momentary feeling state of emotion, of, of wonder, there is a passivity. It doesn't lead to immediate fight-flight response. It, it has a kind of... Um, momentary contemplation, as we put earlier, this kind of bewildered curiosity, being perplexed, but it's a passive emotion. It doesn't lead to immediate physical action. Again, another reason why wonder compared to other emotions doesn't fit into the normal template of understanding this um, rare but very human um, emotional state. And I also, I think I liked how you talked in the book, it also, that contemplation uh, that wonder causes is like, it causes us to think about our place in the bigger picture, the bigger scheme of things. It, it does. Um, many emotions might cause us to focus on very specific, I'll even call it tunnel vision. If I go back to my image of walking down a path and hearing rustling in the bushes, uh, this when it triggers the startle response of fear. There is an immediate tunnel vision. We focus on the source of potential threat to us. We fight, flight, um, triggered by that. Wonder is so different. Um, it, in its sense of bewildered curiosity and perplexity, one contemplates what is the possible source of this grand beauty, this grand vitality. Think of looking down at a newborn baby. Think of looking at a sunset. Think of looking at an, an oak tree that goes... Um, 40 feet into the air, we, we sense, well, how is it that there's a universe that has this grandeur, this beauty? So we contemplate things larger than ourselves, forces that could have brought this into existence that go well beyond us, our understanding, our, our powers in the world. So let's get back to the, the evolutionary um, advantages of wonder. So you talk about awe, that you know, there could be an advantage to that, sort of helps you right. find out who there your is, leader is. There's clearly an evolutionary advantage to awe. Let's take guilt for a moment. Whenever we um, break the norms of our social group, we feel this powerful emotion of guilt. And and, t and it's there in us. It is um, a tight pressure, and we want to relieve that tension that's created by the emotion of guilt, and we'll do almost anything, apologize, humble ourselves, um, but in any way display to the group that we will once again conform to group morality. Um, guilt will motivate that. Wonder doesn't um, lead to those same kinds of things. It, it is more passive, and um, it's rare in that sense. So how do we understand that it came along? And to be honest, we don't know. Uh, wonder is one of those many aspects of the human brain that seem to be um, come in package. I often like to link it this way. All of us have bought a car. And when we're looking for a certain thing, maybe we're looking for a moonroof. The moonroof comes with four other accessories. And if we want to buy the moonroof uh, in our car, the other four accessories come in tow. It could be that the ability for abstract thought to contemplate causality 
that came along with the human brain for definite immediate physical survival issues gave us the capacity to contemplate abstractly that is so important to wonder. And that this came along with our bigger cerebral cortex, and it isn't anything that evolution, quote, needed. But boy, once we have it, it's what makes us so, it's an emotion so peculiarly human. I mean, so what what are the benefits of wonder? Like, what have we gotten from wonder? Well, the, the benefits go many ways. First of all, let's take emotion as the broad category of humanity and break it into two broad classes of emotion. One we could call negative emotions. We've all felt these. Fear, we felt anger, we have felt guilt. These would be examples. What they tend to do, again, is instantly mobilize fight or flight response. But they tend to want make you in, interested in protecting yourself. And you protect yourself by avoiding what's threatening to you, what's caused anger to you, what's caused um, guilt for you. And you distance and protect and you draw away from your surroundings. Another class of emotion are the positive emotions. They're rare, but we can think of joy, being interested in things, so interest, joy, and wonder is so close to those. But unlike the negative emotions, which cause us to want to distance and avoid our surroundings, they mobilize approach. They mobilize engaging them, wanting to be more connected to what's around us. Joy certainly has done that, and we can see how that leads to social bonding. And we can see the evolutionary advantage of any emotion that leads to that. And certainly wonder has some of that. It is a joyful um, response, and it leads us to want to connect uh, with what's there. So right away, we know that it's something that um, leads to greater connection, both socially and intellectually. Um, and we want to contemplate what is it in the universe that makes, again, grand beauty, grand vitality, grand truth possible. And so it opens up our philosophical and um, greater spiritual sensibility about belonging to a grander universe. I might point out, by the way, it was Socrates who, who said that wonder is the emotion of philosophy and that all philosophy begins with this emotion. Again, this, this sense of cosmic mystery, cosmic perplexity, curiosity about what's grander than ourselves. And so the way you're describing it, it seems like wonder isn't necessarily exclusive to religion. I mean, art, science could also... No. Yes. And I think sometimes in my personal tendency to connect religion and its rituals and its myths and stories, uh, to evoking the emotion of wonder, I sometimes maybe forget that it comes in many areas of life. I know people for whom music, uh, all of a sudden music will open us up to a sense of infinity and the sublime, taking us beyond our immediate moment to uh, reaching out to the very source of, of beauty in the whole universe. I know people who staring into a microscope and seeing life and the vitality at the level of cells dividing and the, and the beauty of just the process of life are moved to wonder. People looking up at a starry sky in the evening. And for me personally, if you were to say, where has wonder most reliably been triggered? Um, I'll have to say it's going to planetarium shows. When I watch in astronomy and see the grandeur of the universe, I, I find myself in wonder. How is it that there is a universe at all? 
and not just void and emptiness. And so this very sense of cosmic mystery uh, is evoked. So we can find it in music and in art and sometimes even personal relationships, looking at another human being and being struck in front of me is a, is a source of life and, and activity that I will never dominate or control. It's here to enjoy, not to manipulate. And so um, wonder can be triggered again in relationships, in relationships to nature, uh, through scientific activity and music, many areas of life. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme, cargo capacity means more room for your gear, and there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer a free plant consultation forever. So I use Fast Growing Trees to order not an indoor tree, but an outdoor tree. There is an oak tree that was in our front yard that died a few years ago due to heat stress. Had to cut it down. There's been a blank spot that I wanted to put another tree there. I wanted a maple tree that turned bright red during the fall. And I went on Fast Growing Trees, found the tree that fit the criteria that I was looking for. Turns bright red. It's a maple tree that turns bright red in the fall. So if you want to try Fast Growing Trees, right now they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when they use code MANLINESS at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code MANLINESS at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code MANLINESS, offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. If you're like my family, we're getting to the busy part of the year. Spring sports are happening, a lot of after-school activities. So sometimes planning and cooking dinner, just don't have time for that. That's where Factor Meals comes in. With Factor, you get fresh, never-frozen meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, you get restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. It's also less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious. So we've been using Factory Meals in the K household for a while now. There's a lot of reasons why we like them. First off, the food tastes great. Last week, I had creamy pesto pork chop with spinach, cauliflower, rice, roasted green beans. Tasted fantastic. But the big selling point, it's easy. There's no cooking. There's no cleaning up. It's great for those nights when you're busy and you don't have much time uh, to to take care of dinner and you don't want to do takeout because you feel gross after takeout. If you'd like to try Factor Meals, head to factormeals.com slash manliness50 and use code manliness50 to get 50% off. That's code manliness50 at factormeals.com slash manliness50 to get 50% off. Check it out today and make sure to check out the creamy pesto pork chop. It's really good. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. 
All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of known in negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. So why is it, um, I guess maybe I'm being, from my experience, it seems like as a child, I experienced wonder more easily than I do as an adult. Does something happen in our brains or just in our (laughs) life that causes us to not be able to experience wonder like we did when we were kids? Yeah, maybe this is a a moral failure of us as we we grow and and become adults. I suppose some of it um, is this. Wonder can only be triggered when there's surprise. I've often thought that if we could take someone back from even just 200 years ago and show them our automobiles, our airplanes, our television sets, that these would create wonder for them because of the startle response, the inexplicability of it. They can't, they have no conceptual categories to understand how this came to be and operate as it does. And because even though all of us don't know all the circuitry of a computer chip, et cetera, we have enough understanding of it that it can't quite give us that perplexity, that sense of um, astonishment. So I think some of it is just gaining greater causal understanding of reality, and that's going to be inevitable. But So I think maybe it, it makes it rare, but I don't think it makes it, um, therefore, less precious. I think we come to enjoy and appreciate those moments of wonder even more. Well, and speaking of the benefits of wonder, uh, makes us more open, uh, more curious, uh, thinking abstractly, big picture. Uh, you talk about individuals throughout your book whose whose lives were shaped fundamentally shaped by an experience of wonder. Uh, one of those individuals was John Muir, the conservationist. How did yeah. wonder guide John Muir's uh, yes. career? <laughs> John Muir um, is was not well adapted to our physical reality. Um, He lived after having been uh, born in Wisconsin and in his early life, by the way, liked to tinker by breaking things down. He he literally tinkered with um, mechanical systems. Um, And that's breaking a hole down to its smaller parts and working with them. And I call that curiosity about them. But something dramatic happened in his life as he moved out to California around the Sierra Nevada mountains and he would go climbing. His whole emotional system went to break things down into smaller parts and to manipulate them, he went to a, an emotion of appreciation, wonder. And he talked about, in, he, in his diaries, he uses the words wonder and rejoicing again and again as he would walk alone into the mountains and he would go alone. Now listen, I want to repeat that as an individual, he was not a business tycoon. He was not a self-made billionaire or something. He didn't, he wasn't adapted to the economic realities of America particularly, but we are all richer for his life. And his life was a life shaped by wonder. And by this, I mean that his immersion into nature and as he would contemplate what, how 
is there a source of life in this universe that set this into motion that he would see in the flora and fauna and mountains of, of rural California? This allowed him to appreciate life in and of itself, not for how he could manipulate it, not for what it did for him in any worldly economic advantage. He appreciated it for itself. And that emotion of empathy, of a love of life over and beyond its utilitarian concern, allowed him to form the Sierra Club, the greatest conservation movement uh, really, in, in a sense, in American history, at least it, it was the beginning um, of all of our interest in ecology and conservation. You know, how does this come from? From one emotional experience, the emotional experience of wonder as he was alone in nature. So the long-term utility was great. So wonder, while giving us very little in terms of short-term, worldly, adaptive fitness, triggers a caring for the world around us that is for the long-term good of humanity. And so was it like his experience, was it a single event or was it just accumulation of just being in nature or does, does he, did he share what, what it was? Well, obviously there were some uh, particular events, but for him, it was a lifetime shaped by wonder. He continued to return and always alone, by the way, into the mountains for weeks at a time um, to just renew this. You know, we, we sometimes think of religion as something that needs a building, a mosque, a synagogue, a temple, a church where we go um, this. But there's some truth to this. We do need some place we can go for short periods to renew our sense of wonder in the universe. For John Muir, it wasn't a cathedral. Um, it wasn't a building. Nature was his cathedral. Um, by, re by returning to the woods, by returning to the mountains, he could renew that sense of wonder that kept alive his care, his love for nature, and his efforts to protect it and to sustain it in its purity. So um, it was more a lifetime of renewed wonder at the universe uh, than particular events. So another person you talked about was William James, the father of yeah. modern psychology. Um, right. How did wonder shape his career? William James was a medical doctor trained at Harvard who then became the founder of the psychology department at Harvard and also in the philosophy department, one of the true well-rounded uh, intellectuals. He too would go hiking in the, in the, woods of New Hampshire um, to revive these experiences. Um, one of his most interesting experiences, however, was through an intoxication experience. He uh, had students in the psychology lab working on nitrous oxide and being the curious individual he was. He just leaned over and breathed some. And in that one second, he had an induced mystical experience that convinced him for the rest of his life that no matter what it is that our five senses and science can tell us about reality, we are surrounded by a mystical more. And he would just take M-O-R-E with capital letters and more. It was his way of referring to God. Living at Harvard, living in an age shaped by modern social science, by modern philosophy, he was aware of the perplexities of finding literal doctrines in religion that can be said to be true across all cultures and time periods and compatible with science. Um, he didn't look to the truth of religion in doctrine, belief. But he did believe that there were certain experiences that open us to this, as he called it, more to the universe, <coughs> and that is wonder. Um, for him, 
He had it in nature experiences. He had it this one time in the laboratory in this nitrous oxide um, moment. But he, he thrived and his whole philosophy of life was around the astonishment triggered by the emotion of wonder. Wonder that there's a more that exceeds all rational understanding, all of our scientific comprehension of what the universe is. It opens us to why is there a universe rather than just a void. So it seems like wonder helped James sort of find a path between spirituality and science. Right. And and I think many people um, listening to us right now have sometimes wondered, <laughs> to, I guess the pun on this phrase there, um, how do I navigate this? Something in me yearns to know what is the highest reality to which I might connect my life. By that, we usually mean God. What is the source of all things? Why is there a universe here at all? What, what am I to do with my life? And as we try to navigate that, we also want to remain true to scientific understandings. Uh, we don't want to sacrifice our intellect and to um, accept ideas from an ancient world. And here's where, once again, the notion of wonder comes back to a life shaped by spirituality, being having a sensibility for something more than what can be comprehended with just the rational intellect, a sensitivity, while, while still remaining open to what intellectual formulations we want to commit to. Yeah, I mean, this kind of raises an interesting question. Do you think exploring wonder scientifically takes some of the wonder out of wonder? <laughs> right, that is a great question. One of the first book reviews of my book on wonder was uh, Fuller managed to take all the wonder out of thinking about wonder because there are two <laughs> chapters in the book that look at it in terms of modern um, evolutionary psychology. How did the brain get shaped through evolution to be able to be capable of wonder? And it gets technical. And so, yes, if if you talk about wonder in terms of the brain mechanisms that are involved and uh, all of the various de um, intellectual debates in academe about um, some of these topics, it, it can be <laughs> exacting and take a little bit of the wonder out of wonder. Um, well, going back to religion, um, so you, you kind of make the argument that wonder is sort of the the origin of you know why mm -hmm. we want to be religious of rituals like you know part of what re religions do is ritualize wonder um is that what they're doing i think they do uh, rituals are mysterious um sacraments uh go beyond the logic and causal forces of our day-to-day -day reality and when you immerse yourself in the rituals and i'm thinking of hindu rituals buddhist rituals um Christian rituals, Jewish rituals, Muslim rituals, and throughout the world, these rituals engage us in actions and understanding what causes things to be in our universe that go well beyond our day-to-day, -day, if you will, technical, instrumental mindset. They trigger wonder. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, like, do some of these rituals, like, they'll, like, base it off of a, a wondrous occasion that happened once, and then they try to systemize it so other people can vicariously experience that wonder experience that some founder? Well, that may be. It, it could be that someone had a wondrous uh, experience that was, if you will, miraculous causing. And again, wonder is that perplexity. How did such a thing come to be? Because my normal understanding of the world cannot embrace that or can conceptualize that. It takes you beyond that, shatters those understandings. 
And so perhaps it was that event, but perhaps too, it's just the use of fantasy and some of our religious stories are just that, stories that um, in the telling of them, and it's not so much an ancient past, but it's a way of triggering wonder through art, through fancy. Um, are there any examples of like non-religious groups that try to ritualize wonder to provide an existential framework for themselves or their followers? Wonder, of course, as we have looked at, isn't just an exclusive property of religion. It's there wherever. I think that there are. I mentioned that I have it when I go to um, planetariums, and I feel that. But I know it, in other countries, there are groups, I'm thinking of Japan, there are groups that gather together to hike into the mountains, for example, Mount Fuji. And to be there at sunrise and just the whole event that they'll do collectively as a group to walk to the top, to be there as in the land of the rising sun, the sun rises in the east and casts its rays across the crests of the ocean to the islands of Japan, it triggers such a sense of wonder that the what is greater than humanity that has brought this grand, beautiful universe into existence and wanting to momentarily open our lives to sense that grandeur, to sense that causal of all beauty, that causal reality. Um, so I think that there are um, groups that do this. Um, just as we can appreciate music or art without belonging to a Van Gogh society or a Bach society that proclaims this is the one true music or the one true art. Um, I think that there's many ways to experience these spiritual feelings, this spiritual reverence, the spiritual opening up to life without connection to organized religion. So let's say uh, someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, you know what? I want to experience more wonder in my life. I haven't had it since I was a kid. I'd like to feel it again. What can people do to facilitate uh, wonder in their lives? Or is it something that you can force or does it just have to happen naturally? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm afraid that I probably, I, I wish I had uh, something uh, that I could say, this will for sure do this. And you can't. Uh, the whole point of wonders, it is a surprise reaction. It is when we're encountered with something. Again, I want to say something. Sometimes it happens while reading a poem or, or just a passage in a, any book that it strikes us as so true that at that moment, we're wondering, what is the source of truth? How is there truth that goes beyond my individual life? And then we're, we're curious about where truth comes from. That triggers wonder. We have it when we look into the starry sky. We can look at it um, in, in the midst of a scientific activity and wondering where does the vitality in the universe come from? It comes, but it always has to come by surprise. And that's the one way I don't think you can deliberately set about it. Okay. All right. That's, I was hoping you'd have something because I was really looking for some money, yeah. <laughs> but it okay. makes sense. Can, can I throw this out? I, I was talking to someone who, who was reminding me of in the holiday season, they were out in a car and they were driving and they realized they had a checklist with nine more things to do and they were going and they were traffic jam and they were going this, how are they going to get everything's done? And they knew they were with the holidays arriving, they were missing something. And they said, I know what it is I'm missing. I'm missing a sense of wonder. And they were all of a sudden flashed to sitting in a church for a Christmas Eve service with candlelights and heralding that angels were now coming into the sky to announce the birth of a savior. What could be more evoking of mystery, evoking of wonder than a service like that? And I think that's what draws us to our religions, is that religion maybe isn't about 
the truth of their doctrines. They have varied. The, the doctrines have changed religion to religion, century to century. But the one thing they do is religions at their best evoke and hold us in this state of wonder. And I think it's what keeps bringing us back. The stories, the rituals, the singing, um, that all cherishes one of those rare human emotions that maybe not giving us immediate fight flight advantage opens us up to care for and want to connect and be a greater sense of affinity with the wider universe. Well, Bob, this has been a great conversation. Where can people learn more about your work? Well, I guess um, I did write the book called Wonder. It was by University of North Carolina Press, if they uh, were to look for that. Um, I teach at Bradley University, and if they go to the Bradley University website and look for the Philosophy and Religious Studies Department, my webpage could be found there. Well, fantastic. Bob, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you. My guest today was Robert Fuller. He's the author of the book, Wonder from Emotion to Spirituality. It's available on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash wonder, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. Our show has been recorded on clearcast.io. If you have a podcast and looking for a better way to record remote podcasts, check it out. Something I've been developing for the past year. As always, we appreciate your support. Reviews on iTunes or Stitcher helps that a lot. Until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.